Hey everyone, I am here with my wife, Kristen. Yay! And this is an in-between show, um, which you can tell because the editing is going to be a little worse and there's no music. And this is an in-between show where we're going to get together and talk about the latest M. Night Shyamalan film, Split, starring yeah. James McAvoy and Anya Taylor-Joy from the VVITCH. Yeah. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, there was just kind of a hole in the schedule because we definitely want to talk about John Wick 2 next week and there was just kind of an opening. So I think we originally had Groundhog Day scheduled. Really? Yeah, <laughs> um, for this, but then uh, Split came out and it's kind of set the world on fire. It which set me on fire. Oh no. <laughs> um, and... I think that's super cool because it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie in 2017 that has been number one at the box office that is good. It's really good. <laughs> um, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to get pretty deep into it. So what, we're gonna, are we? Yeah, we're going to do full spoilers on this. So oh, okay. ter- like yeah. speak now or forever hold your peace. Like, I don't if think you, they can speak anything. You can speak. You can talk to your computer. You'll look like a crazy person at your cubicle, <laughs> but you can speak. Just press pause or stop. Um, but yeah, uh, that's that's gonna be a thing that happens. So before we get into all that, M. Night Shyamalan is a director with a checkered career. A I would cast. say, um, you know, he came on the scene in 1999 with The Sixth Sense, which is a great movie. Full stop. And people lauded him as the next Hitchcock and. Um, you know, he was, he was going to represent this new wave of horror, thriller, combination cinema. And then he really didn't. Um, and I think part of that has to do with the fact that I think he was a young director with a lot of pressure put on him kind of immediately. Well, that's what you get for making good movies off the get go. I guess. Um. Yeah, so the last decade really has been uh, really hit or miss for the guy. He made movies that were, I would say, mostly well accepted up through The Village is where he kind of started to lose people. Did people not like The Village? Yeah, people really didn't like The Village. Okay, so I I grew up, this was all in my like junior high years, basically, Mm -hmm. and... All my friends, because maybe because they were in junior high, loved The Village. It's a good movie. So I had no idea about the outside world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, The Village The Village is the first one that kind of started to show the cracks in his maybe almost bulletproof veneer. And then The Happening, I think, is... I... No, Lady in the Water is oh, what okay. he followed up with. And I actually like all of his movies up through Lady in the Water. That one was okay. Um, I even... Uh, oh, no, I didn't see that one. Never mind. Where is that? And then he did The Happening. I hated that movie. Yeah. It's real bad. It's so bad. <laughs> it's... Oh, man, that movie's so I can't so handle bad. it. Uh, yeah, my, my little high school brain couldn't handle it either. Yeah, it just... Everyone was like, oh, he made a B-movie, and it's like a genius B-movie, and like, I don't read that movie as a B-movie at all. Except when Homeboy's arm gets ripped off by the tiger. That's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a movie. Um, And then he decided to do The Last Airbender. Oh, I forgot about that. I I think I went to the midnight showing of that. I 
painted my eyeball, my eyeball, not my eyeball, but my eyelid red to be Zuko. And Ryan Buell, we convinced (laughs) him because he's bald to let us paint the Avatar arrow on his forehead. Uh, And he did it. And it was kind of great. And then the movie was terrible. Yep. And then, what else did he do? Uh, I think The Last Airbender did so poorly that he actually had his name removed by the studio from his follow-up film and was not allowed to do any press for it. What was that one? The Will Smith, Jaden Smith vehicle, After Earth. (laughs) Which I didn't even bother seeing. No. It looked awful, and so I didn't see it, and by all accounts it was. And then he came back in 2014 with The Visit, which is a found footage movie that I also really enjoyed. That was kind of the beginning of it. He started working with Blumhouse, uh, which is a small little uh, horror-slash-thriller production house. They're probably most famous for the Purge movies, which do Mm -hmm. very... I mean, three of them got made. And then, uh, yeah, came back in 2017 with Split. And uh, I think people are saying M. Night's back officially, um, which I'm very excited for. So I know we've kind of touched on it, but what have you thought about M. Night Shyamalan since he's been making movies? Since he's been making movies? Uh, like I said, I was in junior high when, like, his ish started. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like... Yeah, and I just kind of went along with my friends who were like, this guy's awesome. And I was like, okay, sure, why not? Um, And then I actually waited for a long time to see The Village until my friends, like, made me see The Village. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, And uh, I wouldn't say that I had such a bad reaction to him in the following years, I think that I hated the happening, but like he just kind of fell off my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then the past few years have just been kind of great. So, so one of the things that I avoided talking about in the intro because I wanted to talk about him more in this section is um, his follow-ups to The Sixth Sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously. That movie was very well received. And then he did Unbreakable, which is, I would say, arguably his best movie. The Sixth Sense might be his best movie, but I think Unbreakable is my favorite movie of his. It's really good. And then he did Signs, which actually I think might be my favorite movie. I totally forgot about Signs. I love that movie. I also love that movie. I think that movie, sort of to build on what Ryan and I have been talking about for the last couple weeks... I think that movie has a lot to say about faith. Uh-huh. And I really like that. Like, that movie made me think maybe he might believe in God in some way. All I really know is that my high school youth group put on a movie night and it was Signs. What? Uh-huh. <laughs> That's insane to me. Yep. I think it was because they were like, this has a lot to say about faith. And so, uh, science. It was science. And so my friend and I were not big on that youth group, but obviously we had to go to that because it was signs. Man, that's so weird. Uh, 
Yeah, I love that movie. I think Mel Gibson's great in that movie. I think Joaquin Phoenix is great in that movie. I think the tension in that movie is really good. I think that thematically it works really well. I think that's a really solid movie. Um, I distinctly remember sitting in a theater late on a Friday night towards the end of summer and seeing that movie. It was like a 1045 showing that I went to with my dad. Mm-hmm. And I really liked it. Um, and then I remember renting it on DVD and watching it like twice in one weekend. It's pretty good. I think I remember, honestly, let's, I'm going to be real with you. I think that I was pretty young when, um, The Sixth Sense came out. 99 is when it came out. So So you would have been eight. Yeah. So it scared me. But it did not blow my mind as much as Signs did. Signs was the one for me, because I was old enough to like be thinking about it during the movie, that it blew my mind when stuff from like throughout the movie was coming to mean things. Yeah, like swing away. And... Uh-huh. That's the, like... And then also I think the idea of like Signs isn't actually the crop circle. It's like Signs from God. Uh-huh. Um, man, I like that movie. But this is not the science cast. So 2014 rolls along and M. Night does The Visit. It's this real low-budget horror found footage thing with some scary old people. And uh, it did decently, I think, with critics and audiences. There was a little bit of tonal stuff that wasn't great, but that's never been his strong suit. Mm-hmm. Um, namely that the movie ends with children committing murder and then doing rap songs about it. Mm-hmm. And like that didn't really, like, what? It was weird. Yeah, it was weird. But that movie's like really goofy and dark and funny. Like it's hilarious. It's a dark comedy. Let's be honest though. Uh, wasn't there two different cuts of that movie? I don't think so. I thought we talked about a while back and we can cut this out if it's, if I'm wrong. But I thought we talked about how it was going to be a straight-up horror, but, like, also they had a bunch of cuts of it being super funny. And so they kind of meshed those two together. Oh, I don't know. Who was I talking about that with then? Well, listeners, you can look it up and find out for yourself, because I'm not going to right now. Yeah. Um, And then uh, these trailers started popping up for this movie called Split that he was doing, and... Split is a movie that stars James McAvoy, like we said, and he plays... Go ahead. Oh, no. Finish your thought. Okay. He plays uh, a man named Kevin who has 23 distinct personalities living inside his body. He suffers from the condition DID, um, which is Dissociative Identity Disorder. Is that what it stands for? And they are trying to make way for a 24th personality known as the Beast to make its way into uh what they refer to as quote the light and he kidnaps these three young girls these three high school girls um to use as quote sacred food for the beast and the whole movie you're not really sure whether or not that's literal or some sort of symbolic thing until you find out whether it is or it is not and that's kind of it as far as the plot goes it's these three girls trapped in relatively undisclosed location not really knowing what's going on but being visited by different personalities of kevin's and also there's a subplot involving his doctor his psychiatrist psychologist uh whatever the medical one is i'm sure 
um, and her trying to piece together information about um, Kevin's disorder and the different personalities come to visit her or uh, send her emails or something. And it's just kind of this like mystery, almost borderline 10 Cloverfield Lane vibe to it uh, without the aliens. And yeah, uh, we'll leave it at that before we get real deep into spoiler stuff. But ju like, just so you know, right now, potentially we're going to be talking about that in this section. Like you should probably have seen the movie before you listen to any of this. Oh, we're definitely going to be talking about all the stuff. That right. But yeah. I mean, I wanted to save that for a separate section later, but I'm also making no promises. Yeah. Um. So you mm -hmm. were very excited for Split from the get-go. I knew right away that I would love it. I had no doubt in my mind. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to stick with that. I knew... From the very first thing, lots of people were like, this looks like it's going to suck. And I was like, nope, no. it's going to be great. I knew from the very first trailer that no matter if it was quote unquote good or bad, I was going to love it. I what, just already knew. Why do you think it was? What was it that appealed to you so much about it? Um, I think they did a really good job with the trailers. I think it basically set up that entire feeling of the movie. Mm -hmm. Um. Even look, we even watched the trailer with some friends after I had seen it, and I was like, this is the exact tone of the trailer. It does not mess with you and make you try to think it's something else. It's it's it. That's mm -hmm. it. And I don't know if I could just sense that or if James McAvoy just sold it for me, but I just knew. It was, it was maybe not an... It seems like an instinctual thing. It maybe was not. Maybe there were things that I unconsciously knew, but I... I just saw it and without thinking, just knew. I was in a very similar boat. I figured I would like it. Um, and James McAvoy had a lot to do with it. The combination of M. Night and James McAvoy had a lot to do with it, to be perfectly honest. Because I think James McAvoy is super talented uh, mm -hmm. to begin with. Like the, the movie solidifies that for sure. But even I, he's the best part of those new X-Men movies. Uh, he's... The best part of almost every movie he's in, I would say. Um, he was the best part of, with the exception of Wanted. Oh, man, I was going to say, I didn't like he's that movie. He's terrible in that movie. Um, I kind of like that movie. Like, it's kind of a weird guilty pleasure for me. I, I haven't know. seen it in years, but there, that movie's real dumb, and I kind of like that. But he's really bad in it. Um, but also, I think M. Night, especially after The Visit... He's doing these smaller movies. He's not getting way too out of his scope. I think when he's got these very almost personal pictures that he has to, that he, he does, they're better for him. I think he can really bore down onto the, the, the efficiency of it. You know, I think some of his other stuff is a little bloated or mm -hmm. a little too high concept. So I think when he pairs all that down, he is when he's at his best. Yeah. Don't you think that might be because of the new people that he's working with, though? I think so, because Blumhouse's whole thing is, well, when they started, their whole thing was all our movies are under $3 million. They've gotten very popular off of that model. Mm -hmm. And so they're able to uh, make m movies for more money. I don't know if they have a limit, but Split was made for under, I think, $15 million, if not under 10 I think it might have been about $10 million to make that movie, which makes sense, like... There's not really a lot to it. No, um, I mean, the only, uh, just getting into it, the only real even effects you need are for the end 
Yeah. With a beast. Yeah. Um, and the movies at the time of this recording has probably made a hundred million dollars. So it's made 10 times its budget back. Yeah. Which, uh, bodes well for some stuff we'll talk about later. <clears throat> so headed into the movie, I, I figured I would like it. Um, and then it screened at Fantastic Fest in September. And Fantastic Fest is a film festival in Austin, Texas. Uh, it's put on by the Alamo Draft House, which is a high-end theater chain. Um, Draft House owns the movie website Birth Movies Death, if you're familiar with that. Um, and I follow a lot of people who go to Fantastic Fest on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And it was a secret screening. Uh, they just kind of surprised. There's a there's a secret movie every every year, and that was this year's secret screening. And I r- very clearly remember seeing everyone find out it was split, and then getting real stoked that it was going to be split, and then seeing everyone go dark for an hour and a half or two hours, and then come back immediately like, holy crap. That was crazy. Mm-hmm. There's a 30 seconds at the end that's just insane. Uh, it's There's a huge twist at the end that completely reforms the entire movie. It sells the whole thing. And I was like, what the heck? I was like, I know M. Night's the twist guy. <laughs> but I haven't seen people be excited about this twist in a long time. Yeah. And then... Uh, I was not affected by what you're about to say, but go ahead. About a month after that screening happened, the Latino Review decided to run an article that they had gotten exclusive information about the film split. That they had a scoop. (laughs) Never mind that it screened for a theater's worth of people. Mm Mm-hmm. A month earlier, they were running it as, this is a Latino Review exclusive. That, spoiler, 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 I'm doing more than they did to warn you about spoilers, by the way, right now. A hundred percent. Split is a sequel to Unbreakable. And that was what the headline said. (laughs) Verbatim. It said Split is a sequel to Unbreakable and then spoiled the end of the movie, kind of, just saying that David Dunn, Bruce Willis's character from Unbreakable, shows up at the end of Split and because I'm a budding movie journalist, I saw that headline and immediately decided that I don't need the Latino Review in my life anymore. They had lost a lot of their people who would put them on the map and therefore are now resorting to being straight douchebags. <sighs> and so three full months before the movie hit theaters, I knew what the twist was and I was pissed. I didn't. I was so mad. But... Usually, because of my hobby, I get spoiled on a lot of these twists as it is. Yeah, you got spoiled for The Visit, too. I did get spoiled for The Visit as well. Um, Which made it way funnier for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm not really that big on spoilers, although after the way everyone reacted coming out of Fantastic Fest, I was like, man, I really don't want this one spoiled for me. Yeah. Um, Usually I don't care, but that one I was like, man, I really want to experience that one fresh if people are like, man, it's crazy. But then I knew that I would be able to watch the movie from a different angle Uh from the get-go, which is 
kind of cool because I would get to watch an audience react to what was unfolding Mm -hmm. while I was able to play sleuth and look for clues about what was unfolding. It's true. I feel like not a lot of it points to that, though. Like, there are some things, because I've seen it twice now, Mm -hmm. but, like, it's not like, hey, look at this. This is going to be important later. It's just like, oh, by the way, this is in the same universe. Yeah. Um, And there's, like... If you put the posters side by side, the glass cracks on them line up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you notice there's, you know, there's the train connection with the beast comes out of the train, uh, out of the empty train car. David Dunn's superhero character comes out of the train crash. Mm-hmm. Potentially there's a connection there where Mr. Glass causing the train to derail caused kevin's father to die which led his mother to this abusive path i mean that's a fan theory yeah i don't agree with it um m night hasn't really come out and confirmed either way yet um but would you at this point there's no reason for him to yeah exactly and so i got to watch this movie as a super villain origin story Mm -hmm. and you got to watch it as just kind of a thriller yeah, which it is. It still is. Mm-hmm. Even though you can say it's a super vil- like a super villain origin story, it still is even down to like tropes and stuff. A thriller. Like it, you know, like even a horror story because it's it, well, it's more of like a psychological thriller, I guess. But it's got the horror aspect in that he actually becomes the beast. Um and so it's I think the great thing about it is that it is very straightforward and there isn't a traditional M. Night Shyamalan twist in quotation marks. It just is like, hey, by the way, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I know you're saying that it reframes the movie, but I really think that you could just watch it by itself without the 30 seconds and not be missing a lot. You'd be missing a lot for the undoubtedly next move, the undoubted next movie that's coming up. Right. Um, and you get so much more out of it knowing the last 30 seconds. But I thoroughly believe that I could enjoy it almost just as much without knowing what it was. Take, for example... All of the people who still don't know what it is because they do not know why Bruce Willis is in that movie. They're too young to know what that was all about. They never saw Unbreakable. But still, how much money did you say it made? It's probably at $100 million now. That was with people not knowing what it was. That was with people still probably not knowing what it was. And that's probably the majority. Yeah. Um, You'll probably see if a third movie comes out, like... You'll see people researching it or they'll have to kind of put in the trailer what it's about, kind of. But, like, in this one, they kind of, I think they really sold it by saying, you know what? This is a good movie on its own. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nothing in the trailer really points to it. There's a slight nod to it in the trailer where it lists all the movies that M. Night Shyamalan made that people don't hate. Yeah. And it says, from M. Night Shyamalan, the director of these movies, people don't hate. And on the on the text for Unbreakable, it breaks apart like it splits. But mm-hmm. you kind of just think that's branding for the movie. Yeah, split like oh yeah, it's shattering. You know, he's split. He's a split guy. And Unbreakable's seventeen years old. 
Yeah. Like, no one's thinking about Unbreakable. The closest you come to with thinking about Unbreakable in this movie headed into it is like, I like that Unbreakable movie that M. Night Shyamalan did. Mm -hmm. That's it. And so, yes, watching it, you do get... Watching it as a thriller, you just get this really solid thriller bolstered by an astounding performance by James McAvoy. Yeah. And then you get to the last 30 seconds and it's just like, wait a second. Yeah. Um, and then knowing the last 30 seconds, you get to watch it again as a superhero or as a supervillain origin story. And you get to see all the comic book supervillain origin story yeah. things that he's also able to tick off while he's working in the genre of this thriller. And it is straight up masterful narrative construction. Mm -hmm. um, the script itself, like the words in the script, sometimes kind of suck, but that's to be expected <laughs> with M. Night Shyamalan. There's some borderline cheeseball stuff that he gets said, but uh, I think that's just part of him. But also, that's a part of Thriller, too. Like, that's a part of that side of it that I kind of expect going into it. And oh, I fully yeah. expected when I saw the first trailer. Oh, the movie is really trashy, and that's not a complaint. But yeah. it's like, a, it's a really trashy type of movie, mm -hmm. um, which is why this performance is going to go unnoticed. And I think we need to talk about it. James McAvoy is so flipping good in this movie. Which is funny because like, I think from the trailer, a part of the reason why people either loved it or hated it was that his performance seems super gimmicky. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. It's maybe the most narcissistic thing I've ever seen an actor take part in. <laughs> where it's just like, look at me and my range. <laughs> um, but he's got a good range. It really is good. Oh my gosh. There are just some facial changes when he changes between personalities. And like you said, there are the layers of when he is pretending to be one personality, but really he's a different one and trying to talk to the therapist, let's call her. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, when she finally convinces him to reveal himself for the true personality he is, there's this one moment and both times I've watched it, I've just waited for that moment because there's just this very subtle and but very sharp difference in his appearance. And even. posture. And posture. Um, and I think that it, gosh, it, you can't do that unless you have talent. Oh, for sure. For sure. And that's the thing is like that scene where he's, he's pretending to be, you know, he's, he, he is technically this personality named Dennis and Dennis is pretending to be this personality named Barry to fool the therapist. Yes, because Barry is the good, the quote-unquote good one, and yeah. Dennis is the bad one who's been banned. Yes. And so uh, he's trying to put on this Barry persona, but he's got these little tics because Dennis has OCD that give him away as Dennis. Yeah. And the therapist is able to figure it out, and she draws that out of him and lets, lets Dennis drop the Barry act. And it's just this... It's like this wave over his face it's like that thing where, where like you that, put your hand in yeah. front of your face and you have happy and then sad yeah but he just does it all at once yeah and it's it's so incredible and then there's another scene 
after that where he's Dennis, mm-hmm. but now he's pretending to be a character and a personality named Patricia. Patricia is acting very motherly, maternally to the three girls. And so he's trying to be Pat- Patricia and he's like doing her hair, doing the, the main woman's hair um, and talking to them and gives them sandwiches that have paprika in them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but then you, he's got these little tells once again, like he pulls a little too hard yeah. on Anya Taylor-Joy, uh, Johnson, Joy's. Oh, I don't ask me about names. Anya Taylor-Joy, I think. I think Aaron Taylor-Johnson is who I'm getting her confused with. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy's hair, and she like looks back and he kind of looks like, oh crap, sorry. Like mm-hmm. the, Dennis takes over for a second and then he goes and makes them another sandwich in the kitchen and he cuts it unevenly and he like flips out because he's got OCD yeah. and he's like still talking to them in the Patricia voice while his hands are doing very Dennis-y things. Yeah. And it's amazing. Like he's getting the, the mayonnaise out of the jar and he has to like wipe the knife on the side of the jar and then tap it a certain amount of times for his OCD to mm-hmm. be uh, satiated. And it's just, it's incredible. It's, oh my gosh, it's such a good <laughs> performance. He's so freaking good in this movie you guys um so it's worth seeing just because of that yeah definitely and i don't think you have to have seen unbreakable necessarily you don't have to see it first but you definitely should see it second if you haven't seen it first yeah yes um, I just remember like being very excited to see an audience react to that twist and nobody in our theater reacted the way I wanted them to. No, cause they were all young people and mm-hmm. they had no idea. And actually the second time we saw it, I was a little bit actually angry because people started walking out during the last 30 seconds and they saw stuff was still going on on the screen they did not care. They were no. like, this movie's over. I should just leave. Yep. And I was like, why are you doing this? This is the best part. So that's the thing is the twist didn't happen, doesn't happen in the main narrative of the movie. It's this borderline post credit scene. It basically, the, the movie happens in a very straightforward manner. Yeah. And then it just says split. And I had a momentary freak out where I was like, wait a minute. I was like, is it a post credit scene? Like official post credit scene? Like you have to stay through all the scrolling <laughs> credits. I was like, is it is it only a twist for some people? I was flipping out. Like I almost looked at you and was like, what I know about this movie did not happen during this movie. Um And so I was like, what? Where the hell is it? And then it immediately starts with these diner noises and you're like, oh, okay. I was like, oh, okay. It's this part. The only thing that I will say about that last thing is it is completely different when you're watching it as a thriller versus when you're watching it as an origin story. Because for me, um, when you're expecting a climax and then an ending, basically, which is how they, those kind of movies work, um... The ending was way too long. And I was like, why won't this freaking movie end? Mm -hmm. It keeps going. And I don't understand. But the second time I saw it as a villain origin story, I was like, 
obviously this has to happen. It didn't seem too long anymore. The pacing was a lot better to Because me. it had to do all the sequel setup. Yeah. And that's the thing. Do you have any complaints about the movie? I mean, I have a very little cl- complaints about any movie, much less this one. Um, so let me think about that for a microsecond. Um, no. Okay. I might think of some, but off the top of my head, no. I really didn't like the subplot with the abusive uncle. Um, okay. Uh, the only reason that I'm okay with it is because I'm wondering what they'll do with it and if they're going to do anything with it in a next movie. That's the only way I would be retroactively okay with it. Mm-hmm. Part of it, like, and I understand that either, like, even, okay, here's the thing. There's a backstory with the main, the main girl who, that she was abused by her uncle on, or she's been abused by her uncle over the years but it started on this hunting trip she went on with her uncle and her father and then her father dies very young and she has to go live with this uncle who is abusive to her yeah i said that oh sorry um and you know she's obviously continued the abuse into her teenage years um and so no matter what age that starts, it's a monstrous act for a human being to commit. But the little girl in the backstory seems very young. And so it just feels real gross. And I guess it should. It's supposed to. But it it almost feels exploitative. Um, I would disagree only because someone that has that problem... Um, problem meaning they are attracted to little children, um, that is a perfect age for them to prey on. So it seems perfectly natural for it to be happening around that time. Um, especially since you notice that he's feeding his brother beers the whole time, Mm -hmm. so he's gonna pass out. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, 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 it's planned. It is, uh... It's very conscious of him, and you can see what's kind of going on in his mind after you see it a second time. Mm-hmm. You can really see that he is a predator. Yeah. And um, it's it seems very typical. I'm not, like, a psychologist or haven't really studi- studied that, but also I am familiar with that type of thing, and I think that... Uh, I think that you would find that if you talk to people who were victims of that, that it started when they were pretty young. Sure. And I'm not saying that's incorrect. I'm just saying that it just... It just feels gross to me. Like, it feels almost unnecessarily gross for the movie. And I understand that she needed to end up in a spot where, um, you know, the, the whole payoff to that subplot is one that she, through this ordeal, learns to kind of stand up for herself a lot more. Um, and two, she has turned to self-harm, very understandably. That's a pretty common trait, I think, in people who have gone through similar situations. But as a result, at the end of the movie, when she's being confronted by the beast, because he full-on turns into the beast at the end of this movie. Like, mm-hmm. it turns out 100% the beast they've been talking about is real. Mm-hmm. And the beast is supposed to feed on the 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 flesh of the un uh the unpure and in the beast's warp sensibilities the unpure are those who have not been damaged yeah and he straight up eats these two other girls like 
straight up. Yeah, I was actually going to say when you said that it was very unclear, it was very clear to me the whole time. It seemed very clear. The The thing is, it was very straightforward to me in that it was very clear that he knew that whether or not that beast actually existed, This I knew this guy was going to eat people. Okay. Um, he wasn't messing around. The only people that didn't believe it are the people that weren't him. Mm-hmm. Um, the therapist was like, this can't be happening. And the girls were like, no, he's making it up. But he was really serious. And I was like, whether or not this guy is crazy or he's actually going to turn into some werewolf, he's going to eat some people because he believes he can. Yeah, that's the thing is I kind of wanted him to turn into a werewolf. Like I really, <laughs> even though I knew it was unbreakable, uh, I really wanted him to be a werewolf. Um, go ahead. Um, I was going to say one more thing about, I was actually going to take back what I just said about I was only okay with her backstory if it had to do with another movie. Because if you didn't identify with her pain, you wouldn't understand what was going on. Like, like why she's so smart. Why why she why she was so smart, why she understood to wait for to see what things are happening. Cause honestly, in a regular horror movie, she'd be the stupid one. Yeah. Like, she'd die first. I mean, just like in other people's eyes, even in those other girls' eyes, she was really stupid. Like they were like, Why aren't you trying to escape? Mm-hmm. And uh, the the second time I saw it, I was like I have this really yucky feeling in the back of my mind that's just like, I can't, I don't think that I can curse on your show, but I was just like, dang, uh, what really sucks is that part of her probably wants to stay there because it's better than where she lives. Yeah, because she knows it won't be, she knows that he there, she's not allowed to be touched there. Yeah. Um, And I was like. Ah, that's such a gross feeling. But also, if you aren't aware of those gross feelings, like, yeah, you could have seen her scars, but how does that connect you? Like, how does that really make you understand that she's pure of heart, you know? Mm. How does that really... it, It... you really just can't feel the emotions of the last scenes unless you hear, like, see and are understand... It's understanding of the monstrosities that have been done to her. Yeah, like I said, I get it. I just think there may have been a a more subtle way to get it across. And I understand that, like, like I get it, but it just, it feels really gross. Like, and it should, like I said, like, that's, that's a horrible thing, but it just, I don't know. It just, it makes me feel weird. Like, I don't like it. And I know I'm not supposed to, but I still don't like it. Okay. I mean, that's something that you're allowed to feel. So the movie ends with her character specifically potentially going back to the uncle? Yeah, like you never... There's a moment before where, like, the police officer is like, your guardian, your uncle is here. Mm -hmm. And, like, it pauses just before she could potentially say, wait, my uncle's abusive. Or, like, maybe she's deciding, yeah, and guess what? Tonight, I'm gonna kill him. And so there's just these this wide variety of options for her yeah um so with that and with the where the horde ends up uh the horde is a set of three personalities um 
and the Beast, who have taken over Kevin's body. Mm -hmm. And they are known in the media as the Horde, which is how David Dunn is first introduced to them, which is through the television um, sequels. Like, there has to be a sequel. At least one. I would be fine, honestly, with just one. Um, But if there's more, that's fine, too. It just depends on how it goes. Yeah, well, M. Night, um, in an interview with Birth Movies Death, M. Night said that he has an idea for a, quote, final film. Okay. Um, so, because the, the, the person interviewing was basically like, so it's gonna happen, right? And he yeah. was like, we'll see. And the guy was like, you can't just leave it where, like, this, what? And he yeah. was like, I am a very meticulous writer, um, which, depending on the movie, I believe or don't believe. <laughs> Um, but he was like, I have to write something that excites me and sequels for the most part don't excite me. And I was like, why would you leave this one so open for a sequel then, bruh? Like, what? Seems like a cop out to me. Yeah, but he said, and but more recently in an Entertainment Weekly article, he said that he's almost done with an outline. Yes, I think he told me that. Um, So I think it's coming down the line. I think Bloomhouse would be stupid to not pursue a sequel like this movie made all the money for them yeah i guarantee you jason bloom is like nah man you've gotta make one (laughs) um and so with a sequel i would like to see her character come back i would like to catch up with her um i think we have to catch up with mr glass from unbreakable one which you said, I think you said that um, Samuel L. Jackson said something about that, right? Samuel L. Jackson has always said that he would like to do a second one. Okay. Um, but I think Samuel L. Jackson just wants to be in every movie, so... <laughs> um, Maybe. So what is your... What what would you like to see from an Unbreakable 2? I would like to see a kind of superhero movie that we don't get ever. Which is exactly, I mean, I'm just stealing your words from your mouth when you said to me, like, this is going to be the ultimate superhero sequel because you have an entire movie with the villain and an entire movie with the hero. So you're fully invested in both of the sides of the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love, I would love to see, um, I think her name is Casey, mm-hmm. come back in the movie, but also... It wouldn't surprise me if M. Night Shyamalan did not put her in, just because he's kind of like that. Yeah. Um, I think, I just, maybe I'm just, like, really making it bigger in my mind than it's gonna be, but I just feel like it's gonna be, I feel like I want it to be bigger than, bigger than it can be, maybe, because, like, I'm, I'm envisioning, like, now we have this world set up, and so it's just gonna kind of go with it, and maybe it'll bring the other therapists that that lady mentions up, and it'll be kind of worldwide in that she's from Switzerland, or he is from Switzerland, and um, I just feel like it will, it might be this kind of really accidentally big superhero movie, which it might not be, <laughs> but... You know, that's in my dreams what I imagine. Yeah, I think there's a lot that he has to bring together. Yeah. And I think the movie's going to hinge on how he does that. Um, I mean, perfect world, I would like to see two movies Mm -hmm. that are the same events depicted from... Oh my goodness. 
each character because that's what we've gotten so far. Yeah, I don't think you could get away with that, though. Yeah. Nobody would watch the second one. Yeah, I know. I know. But people read Ender's Shadow. Um, I'm just saying. People watched... Uh, oh, damn it. Sorry, you can cut that out. Uh, what's that movie? Um, people watched the Blair Witch sequel. That was a the remake, Blair right? Which, it was not a remake. I mean, it was basically a remake. But it was the same events just told again. Yeah. But like, so Ender's Shadow was the events of Ender's Game told from another character's perspective. Oh. Um, but I didn't read that. So, I would love to see that. Alternatively, I would love to see... People are talking about how Mr. Glass is this, you know mastermind with a fragile body and the horde is this unstoppable physical force with a shattered mind Mm -hmm. and how they're basically reflections of each other and so seeing them team up would be cool okay and then you mentioned a kind of um hannibal lecter type situation i would like to see it where it's the silence of the lambs superhero edition (laughs) where Dunn has to go to the criminal mastermind to understand how the physical um, force that is the Horde operates and what its next move would be. And seeing them reluctantly team up. I'm a sucker for that kind of crap anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, I would love that. Yeah. Um, Real quick, mm -hmm. before you go on to your next thought, all I'm going to say is that you may be able to get what you want in two movies in one movie because he spent so much time with both the characters. Like, in Batman vs. Superman, they did a lot of each of them, and it was kind of off-putting because, like, they haven't been in the same world together before, and you're just like, what's happening? But, like, in this one, they've both been in the same world together. You've spent quality time with them. And so you could potentially, in one movie go back and forth between them and understand and maybe be on kind of both of their sides. I'm already on both of their sides. Yeah. Because David Dunn's a hero and the Horde is an ultimately tragic villain because at the center of the Horde is this guy, Kevin, that didn't ask for any of this. He In was just fact, a... he asks Casey to kill him yeah. at the end. He doesn't want that to happen. Yeah. But even like with even the DID, he never asked for that. It was a, it was a defense mechanism that manifested itself due to abuses he suffered as a child. Like, yeah. you know, watching David, there's going to be no, it won't be a satisfying narrative watching David Dunn just hunt down and kill this guy. Yeah, you know, even even if the guy with the DID does like the 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 Kevin guy does want to die, mm-hmm. I I ultimately like. I ultimately like choosing life over that. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I want this. And I, I do think that there's a way where you can have these two characters come together who are both virtually invincible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Beast and, and David Dunn and have them bounce off of each other in big action set pieces. And, you know, what the beast is doing is not good. Like, eating people is still not good. No. Um, and so, like, justice has to be served and he has to be punished for those actions. But at the same time, like, I want Kevin to win. 
Okay. You yeah, know, like, well, I, I, mean, want, I want Kevin to come out on top of this. And that's why I think we're so excited, though, for the next movie. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why everyone's so excited, because all the characters are characters you want to see win, and they're all mm-hmm. characters that you can identify with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's that's kind of the beauty of Split as a supervillain origin movie. I think everyone needs one now. Like, I... <laughs> I'm just like, okay, Lex Luthor, two hours, let's do this. Like, Norman Osborn, like, let's just, let's just make him Donald Trump and, you know, spend two hours with that guy and then he can be the Green Goblin. Like, uh, I understand it's impossible to do that. Yeah. And plus, everyone would get super tired of it super fast. For sure. But I think it's such a smart idea. Um, especially because it does let, you know, because he's, because he is a villain and because he does do bad stuff, you're able to make this movie, which he did more of like a horror psychological thriller thing, whereas Unbreakable is more of this like hero's journey origin, like almost more traditional superhero thing. Yeah. Um, and so I think that him operating in multiple genres like that is really smart. Um I almost think he may have taken cues from the Marvel formula, especially with Phase 2, where, like, Ant-Man is kind of a heist movie, and Winter Soldier is more of a political thriller, and Civil War is a family drama at heart, and, you know, they are starting to branch out into more genres than just, like, pure action movie. Yeah. Um, And so I think it almost took the Marvel machine to get this to this point. Maybe so to get him to that point to draw off of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just, I'm crazy excited to see where it goes and where it ends up. I'm very excited to hopefully see more uh, that's not in the Unbreakable universe for him because I think he may have hit another stride. And I hope that continues. For sure. The only thing is, the I mean, the only thing is that he has a pattern and that's when he gets too big that's when he falls yeah so it's very worrisome also because i mean even if he does pull off the like sequel to these movies the next one might suck because he might be like well i'm unstoppable now it's true but i think jason bloom has a really good handle on his properties Mm-hmm. Um, not M. Night's properties, but the properties that fall under the Bloomhouse brand. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why the Purge movies got better. Uh-huh. Um, I haven't seen the last two Purge movies, but my understanding is that the second one's better than the first and the third one is the best one. Okay, I haven't seen the third one. The second one is better. Because um, the first one I didn't like too much, but like it's such an intriguing idea. It gets, the second one is better because it gets more into the idea than just being a horror movie. Right. And then I think the smartest thing the third one did was be about an election, mm-hmm. uh, especially in such a tumultuous political climate as we have now. Yeah. I think it just, I think it was the perfect execution of like a horror movie playing on societal fears, which the best ones usually do yeah um and so i think even like and i'm saying that side unseen (laughs) um but i think i think without blum's guiding through that those movies really could have gotten bad 
Mm-hmm. Um, even though they have a cool premise, I think that they could have gotten really overblown and stupid. But I think he got he put a handle on them because he puts those small budget in, uh, limitations on his on the creators on the the crop of people he works with. Those limitations are so important. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, that doesn't stop M Night Shyamalan from being like, yeah, after the sequel, I'm gonna go do this really big movie because now these big corporations want to hire me again. Yeah, it's true. But we'll see. Um, I'm excited. Split's really good. You should check it out. Um, do you have anything else to say? Um, this might be my new sick day movie. So what? might be good news for you. I'll always, Labyrinth is my sick day movie for sure. But I'm just telling you, I could watch Split maybe once a week. What? Every week. What? I'm not joking. Really? Yeah. Wow. Split's kind of like my favorite right now. Okay. Uh... So do you still think it's going to be your favorite movie of 2017? Lego Batman is going to be up there for sure. Okay. I don't know what other movies are coming out, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't think... I mean, I'm excited for that, but I think Lego Batman's going to beat that one out for me, and I think that Split still might be at the top. Unless something crazy amazing happens... That's the only way that anything's going to beat those two things out. Uh, Planet of the Apes. That's going to be really good, too, but it's not going to be my favorite. Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, that might be top three, too. So, like, those three might be my top three. Let's be honest. Yeah, that'll do it, uh, I think. Do you want to plug anything? Split. You want to plug Split? <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, Ghosty Split, uh, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week to talk about John Wick Chapter 2, and I'm so excited. I'm I so won't, excited. but I'm gonna see it. I'm so fucking excited. I'm, not, I'm excited, but not as excited as you. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited. They released that new poster today, I look so good. It might be just a little bit too ridiculous for me, but we'll uh, see. I look so good. It just looks, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I will see it. I will see it. I wish you could hear how stupid this sounds in the headphones. I mean, everyone else is going to. (laughs)